Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm so glad for you to be able to be here with us today. Um, for those of you who are new or who haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks, we've just entered into a sermon series titled, Turn Your Eyes, Renewed Devotion to Our Servant King. Last week, we looked at the, the need for us to remain in Christ, to abide with Christ, that connected to the vine is what gives us, the branches, life. Now, next week, I've invited a friend of mine, Pastor John Estabrooks, who's also a father to Stephen, um, to come and bring the message for us, as I'm actually going to be recovering from just a small surgery, nothing major, just a, a hernia surgery. So I've... Uh, have him preaching for us, which I'm really excited about. We were chatting this week, and his insights and his conviction in regards to even our own theme that we're a part of, he's excited to be a part of the conversation. So that's something that you can be looking forward to next week. Now, uh, the message today is when God's people pray. Now, I want to start off from the very beginning uh, with a bit of honesty. Prayer Prayer for me in my life, it's hard. <laughs> I, I find the idea of it fascinating and mysterious. Um, and, and I find myself longing for it, wanting it desperately to go to a place of prayer, but at the same time, avoiding it, being nervous to go into the place with the Lord. I catch myself being glad that I've spent time in prayer, and then I go through my entire day realizing that I didn't spend any time in prayer, wondering why did I not enter into more prayer. So I'm, I'm on this journey. I'm on this journey with the rest of you, and honestly, I'm on this journey with the rest of every single human being on the entire earth from the beginning of time all the way to now, figuring out prayer, figuring out what it means for us to connect with, with God, learning to figure out to connect with and ask our questions, ask our hopes, our anger, our, our fears, all of that, looking for some kind of source of power and source of meaning. Everyone is on this journey, whether it's the boy who asks for help right before the exam, the girl who praises God because she got onto the team she wanted to, the woman who pleads with her inner voice to give her direction for the next job she's supposed to take, for what she's supposed to do, or, or for the man who yells to the sky as the anger and the sadness and the grief can't be contained. Humanity looks to connect with the source of power, a source of power for guidance, for protection, for deliverance, for purpose. So, so prayer, it seems, to simultaneously be one of those most natural human instincts. And yet, at least according to Christians, like we read in James, it's also essential. And yet, there often feels like there's a catch or there's, there's a disconnect. People pray. Um, for the last several years, I've observed, and maybe you've observed this as well, that throughout culture, there has been this dramatic increase in the conversation of practices of prayer, or more broadly speaking, habits of, of these activities of being still, of 
uh, mindfulness, being in tune or in touch, being centered, being grounded, being aware of your inner self, uh, being aware of our breath, meditation, all of these things we're, we're looking for, we're grasping for. When I did my last phone update, I noticed this interesting, you don't, don't take your phones out, you don't need to do it, don't, don't, no, 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 but there's this app, and it was like with this My Fitness app, and right beside all of these new workouts, there was these like new meditations, and as I was scrolling through it, I was like, my phone doesn't, my, my phone doesn't just want to be my cell phone provider, it wants to be my coach, and it also wants to be my priest, and I was like, what, what's this world coming to? That, that apps are now trying to speak into this human need, this human instinct, this human longing. Um, it said things like this. Um, um, Fitness Plus, meditations can help you recharge, better connect with yourself and others, um, have, you more mindful, have more mindful moments in your day. Um, there are calm, focused, resilient uh, resilience and sleep meditations for feeling at ease and restored. The, the purpose, kindness, and gratitude meditations can bring feelings of warmth and thankfulness. And the awareness, creativity, and wisdom meditations are great for when you feel you need to be inspired or spark new ideas. And you can do these meditations anywhere, anytime. And I'm thinking to myself, this is just one new iteration in a long, long, long history of humans trying to attach to the source of life that gives hope, that gives meaning, that makes sense of the world. It's everywhere. And, and it's a whole industry. And why not? People are looking for it. People are asking for help. People are willing to pay for it. Um, people are looking for ways and guidance for how they direct their instinct to pray. It's, it's always been that way. Uh, we can look at even back at the first civilizations. There were people that prayed for direction and wisdom. There were um, like the oracle bones, a divination that was in ancient Chinese practices where they would look, they would throw bones into a fire. The bones would crack and then there would be these fissures and then they would make meaning out of these. And then in that moment, they're believing that it's as this act of prayer that they are getting wisdom and insight from this practice. Or ancient Greece, their sacred dances is another example. There's the Dionysian dance where they believe that if they could just dance themselves up into this flurry, into this ecstatic experience, that they could lose themselves, that in that moment, as they are dancing for this, uh, for this goddess, that they would get blessings and that they would commune with the gods. Or, like the Homa fire ritual, in both ancient India and modern India, where they believed that they could bring together things like ghee and wood and herbs into this sacred fire, and the smoke that went up would be a blessing, but it also would give them insight and guidance, and that the participants believed that this would connect them to the gods, connect them to truth. This, this is everywhere. This has always been. There's always been that instinct. Um, as a fan of Star Wars, I became aware of, there's a meditation app, it's called, um, it's a mindfulness app, and they came out with 
Breathing with Yoda. Um, yeah, it, it, it's actually kind of fun. You could give it a try. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, but it says this, every time you inhale, all right, every time you inhale, Yoda will close his eyes and he will stretch out his hands and levitate the X-wing. All right? And so every time you breathe, it does this like thing for you, encouraging you to slow down and to breathe. Or you could go with Chewbacca onto his home, um, onto his home uh, planet, and there you can like work on your anger management. Um, I thought that was fitting. It was good. Or R2-D2, that cheeky droid that like would like go all over the place. Whenever you'd like breathe, he would like move around. And same with BB-8. Um, he would like roll around. And so... I tried this app one time, and it worked. It worked. And here's the thing. People do these things because they work. To some degree, it, it works. Throughout history, people have been praying, they've been seeking, they've been reaching, because to some level, some amount, it works. It's not only an instinct, there's something. They get something. They, they're scratching the itch of, of what's going on in the world and beyond. That's why every world religion ha- incorporates prayer, a prayer practice into some form, some shape. Or in secular culture, they've found ways of, for us to pray to ourselves, hoping that the inner voice, our inner self, is where the power comes from. Now, this could suggest, I pray, you pray, they pray, we all pray, we all have different religions, but it's the practice of prayer that really matters. Now, I am sure some of you have heard that. I am sure some of you wonder that. I'm sure there might be some of you here that believe that. And the sentiment, to be honest, is nice. It shows that we as humans are all connected, that it's common ground for us and our neighbors, our families, our enemies. We're all people who have a longing to pray. But but what does the Bible say? How does the Bible speak to this thing? How did the earlier followers of Jesus think about prayer? What did James think in the passage that we just heard? Because James is not just giving us an invitation to pray so that we can have feelings of warmth and thankfulness, to feel at ease or restored or to feel inspired or have that new spark for ideas. There's so much more. I'm going to read for us that passage of Scripture again. And as I read it, I want us to not just be thinking about the prayer components, but everything else that's kind of going on in between the need and the response. Because the human condition, we all have the needs. We all have the need. It's all the same. And then we all respond in similar ways. But what else is going on? So let me read to you at verse 13 again. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So what were the needs? Trouble. What, were the, what was the situation? If you're happy, pray. If you're sick, pray. If you've sinned, come together and pray. If you need healing, pray. If you're looking for any of this, pray. Pray, praise, bring the elders, pray in faith, pray for each other. This is something that he was saying, and this is something that we see the world doing as well. When there's need, they, they, they cry out for prayer. But here's the catch. Here's, here's the shift. Here's what makes everything different. It's everything between these things. It says this, that, they, that the call was to anoint them. To anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. To offer prayers in faith that the Lord will raise them up. That they would confess their sins and they would be forgiven. The needs are the same throughout the world. There is the instinct for everyone to pray. But what changes everything for James and the people of God is the foundation of our prayers. We don't just pray. We pray to the one true God. We pray. General practices of prayer are great. They're good. Meditation, it, these things are okay but it's just scratching the surface. It's like eating crumbs off the table when there is a whole house you could be living in with pantries full and chefs at your beck and call. This is what it means for us to be able to be able to pray as God's people. James, whose world was turned upside down, as he watched his older brother begin to perform miracles and make claims about who he was, and as he watched this man, this man that he loved, live this life, die this death, be raised again, and be ascended to the Father, it changed everything. James, who would now, who's partnered with the disciples, is leading this movement of following after Jesus. James, who experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit and who's witnessed God do the miraculous. And then James points back to Elijah. Now, he mentions one story, but there's that other story that is so critical. He's up on the mount, right? And he is facing off against the priests of Baal. There's two, there's five, or it's not 200. There's 450 of these prophets that are going to cry out to Baal, cry out for their God to respond. And there's one of him. And he makes the challenge, right? He turns to them and he says, why don't you call on the name of your God and the response is that it will bring fire, right? That it'll bring fire. And then I will call on my God, on the Lord, and we'll see what happens. And so what do these priests do? This is how the story goes. The priests, they gather these two altars together. There's one that uh, I, 
Elijah is going to use, and then all of these other prophets of Baal are going to use, and then they begin to dance and prophesy and sing and pray and then they pour themselves out and they're just praying and praying and praying and they're getting more and more excited more and more ecstatic they're then they're starting to like whip themselves and they're just whipping themselves into a frenzy and i do not doubt for a minute that those priests those prophets were feeling something not just physically because they're whipping themselves but they were experiencing the, the, the effects of this kind of activity. They were stirring up themselves. They were in this ecstatic experience. And so they were praying. They were doing everything they could. And then Elijah, like, just, he just mocks them. And it's, it's like not something that I would recommend we do whenever we decide to have a prayer showdown with our neighbors. I'm not saying you ever do that. Unless you feel led. Um, but you... He's like mocking them. He's like, oh, maybe he's busy, which was kind of a quiet euphemism, euphemism for being like, maybe he's actually on the toilet. Maybe Baal's busy. <laughs> um, and so they just prayed harder and harder, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. Their prayer experience was similar. The longing was the same. Their hopes were the same, and nothing happened. And then this is what Elijah does. After he's soaked his altar with water, buckets and buckets and buckets of water, Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and it also licked up all of the water out of the trenches. When all of the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Whole, whole religious systems, apps, companies have devoted themselves to helping people achieve crumbs when compared to what we see in scripture about prayer. Prayer to the living God. God's people pray because the creator of all has invited us into a living relationship with him. Because God has given us access to his great banquet hall through his son, Jesus Christ. Because we pray because we are talking to God, a God who listens we are talking to a God who has promises and desires to fulfill those promises in our lives. Promises like this is the confidence that we have approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 1 John 5, 14. Or Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. 
If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault and it will be given to you. James 1, 5. In our secular culture, prayer might be considered a nice option to try on. But for James and the church, this is not an option. This is, this is necessary. This is life. This changes everything in our lives and in our worlds because when you have tasted the goodness of God, when you've been invited to partake of the feast, when you've been ushered into the presence of the living God himself, it's not an option anymore. It's the vital connection to the true source of power. The true source of power. And God delights in hearing his people pray. He delights in hearing us pray. And he delights in responding. And it's because of who we pray to that changes everything. I like how author Max Licato put it very simply. Um, Our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Now, if you've ever felt like you don't pray well enough, that you don't have the right words, that it's not, you're not clever in your speech, know that you are praying to a God who loves your feeble attempts, who loves you trying, who loves your honest, humble gut response to the needs that are in this world and because we are praying to a God who hears and cares and responds. He loves your irreligious prayers where you make a mess of it, but as long as it comes from the depths of your heart because we know that prayer matters and we know that prayer changes things because of who we are praying to. This is the God that we pray to and we pray because it matters. Now, I, will, I'm gonna, I want to check in on one thing. In this passage, there's this one line where it kind of feels like it throws a wrench into everything I've just said. And, it, and it's the, the line where it says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't feel very righteous a lot of the time. And when I do feel righteous, it's, it's usually my pride talking. There's this call, there's this challenge by James that prayer from the righteous person is powerful and effective. And so while I've said everything that I've just said, we have this catch, we have this, this problem of, of righteousness. Um, Because, and when I look at my life, and maybe some of you, when you look at your lives, that doesn't feel like you. You're like, okay, maybe I need to go find the righteous people to pray for this situation, because their prayers are effective, because, like, look at me. And so, we have this problem, um, and it's a challenge. And because even when you look at, say, Romans 3.10, right, there's this line, as it is written, There is no one righteous, not even one. No one's righteous. So how how do we make sense of what James is saying here? 
right? So we, we know that we're praying to a God that hears and responds. We see that in Elijah, right? We know that this is true. And yet, there's this, the, it, the, the effective prayers are the ones that come from righteous people. All right. Most of us know this already, but it, it just requires saying again. This is the radical good news of Scripture, the radical good news of the gospel. No one is righteous, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all in this conundrum together. And so we don't stand a chance. But then James still believes that there's some kind of connection that we can, be, that we can have. So yes, we are broken, we are flawed. And then we have Romans 4, 2 to 3, where it says this. If, in fact, Abraham, so like, if Elijah could pray, if Moses could pray, and we're considered to be able to be like Moses, like, that we have that we can compare to, and Abraham, these are pillars of the faith. It says this, Abraham if, if, in fact, Abraham was justified by his works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited, credited to him as righteousness. Let me read that one more time. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. It is our active faith in Jesus, the righteous one, that gives us the confidence to be bold in our prayers. It is the faithfulness of Jesus that made him righteous before God, and it is Jesus who invites us to pray in his name. In, in a way, it's like we piggyback on with Jesus. It is this that changes everything. When God's people pray, we pray to a God who listens, to a God who hears, to a God who desires to respond and does respond, but we also pray through Jesus Christ. When the early church came to understand this, when the Holy Spirit helped them grasp the, the magnitude of this, their timid prayers were transformed. Peter, in his timidity, in his small prayers, became faith-filled, massive prayers because they knew where their identity rested. It was in Christ. They knew that they had access to the Father. They knew that the Father's love and his longing for them to come to prayer was possible. And this is why people like Paul could say, pray continually, where he could say, devote yourselves to prayer, where he said, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Bear this in mind. Be alert always. Keep on praying for the Lord's people because they knew that they were praying to a God who hears and they were praying through Jesus Christ. When God's people pray, they can, unlike anyone else, pray with boldness believing that the God that they are talking to, who has revealed himself through history, is true. When God's people pray, they are vocalizing their faith. 
and trust in Jesus. In fact, it's kind of them putting their first step forward. Their first action of belief is actually in prayer. When we voice a prayer to the Lord, we are taking action in our belief. And these prayers are a delight to the Lord. They are golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the people rising up before the throne of God. Prayer connects our hearts with God. It connects us to more than just some abstract power, but to a living and true and real person. And this is really good news. Um, I'll end with this story. My, my grandfather was a pastor. And uh, he went off to this tiny little town of Moore, Saskatchewan. And as he was there, he decided uh, he was like going around trying to meet people and connect with the community. And he noticed there's this young couple. Um, and the one young couple, he was a barber. Um, so the, the man was the barber. And so he thought... And my, dad, my grandfather was like already basically bald at this point. But he's thinking to himself, I'm going to go and get a haircut. So he goes to the barber, gets a haircut, starts a conversation, and things begin to just open up. If conversations begin to happen, relationships start to form. And this, this young couple, they end up having this child. And this child, um, they're, they're living out of town. They get a phone call. Uh, my grandpa gets a phone call that this daughter is sick, really, really sick. And they are so far from town, and we're talking 70 years ago now. Um, they are far from town, and they are afraid. They are terrified. The fever is high. They aren't able to get into town. They don't have medication. They don't have anything like that. And they ask my gr grandfather to pray. And my grandfather, um, he, didn't, he didn't actually share this with them until much later, but he got that call, and he got down on his knees, and he started to pray. He started to pray for this little girl, and he did not stop praying until he felt he could stop. He prayed for hours, and long into the night, he prayed on his knees until all of a sudden, at around 2.30 or something like that, he felt he could pr stop praying. He felt released from prayer. He stopped, got up, and went to bed. The next day, he gets a phone call saying, we just have, we have such good news and we just wanted to share that our child got well and her fever broke at around 2.30 at night. We are so thankful. And he quietly cried to himself knowing that he had participated in the transformation of a person's life. That child um, grew married, has kids, and that, those kids, some of them are pastors to this day. And I think to myself, this one man who was invited to go to the throne of God in prayer, believing that there is a God who hears and responds, that he could pray in the name of Jesus, that there is power in the name of Jesus, and he stayed there in prayer until he was released. And God healed this child God's people pray. When God's people pray, things happen. The world shifts. The world changes. And it doesn't always happen on our terms, but it happens. And the call for us to pray in this season, we must, we need to, we as a church, this is what we must do. This is our first step of faith, is to pray boldly and to pray with faith that God can and will and does 
that we don't hold back in our prayers. This is the challenge for us today. The world is hungry, and we can see it through all of the different ways that people pray. They are looking to connect with the divine, and we know who that is, and we can proclaim that. My encouragement for us today and onwards, that if you ever have the opportunity to pray for someone, don't just say, I'll pray for you. Say, I'll pray for you, and find a way to add in, in the name of Jesus, or to God, like, Find a way to draw the connection because since everyone prays, it's like you may as well say I'm pushing up good vibes into the sky, right? Don't. Let it be connected to the living, real Jesus who answers prayer and is able to. Don't be afraid of that. Christians, don't be ashamed that our prayers go to the Father in heaven. They don't go somewhere else and we have confidence in it. So my invitation for us today is to pray and to pray boldly. I was reading and thinking about this passage and it was just sitting in front of me and I was like, Lord, like, this is me just talking out. Like, Lord, it's saying right now in James that if there's people that are sick, that they should bring the elders and pray. That if, there, if, we, if there's something to celebrate, we should praise God. And I got to the end of writing this sermon and I had no invitation for us to do any of that. And it just felt like it was sitting right in front of me. And so this is what we're going to do. If there's maybe two or three of you that have real and frustrating illnesses in your life, I, would in, I am going to invite you to come to this altar. You don't have to. This is an invitation. The Lord's not going to push you forward. Maybe it'll feel like that. But I am inviting you to come forward and to this altar. And at this altar, I'm then going to invite the elders of the church. That's what it says. Those of you who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the one who he says he is, that we have the faith to pray big prayers and that we can pray boldly and that we can leave God's outcomes to him, but we can ask in faith. So that's what I think we're going to do. It might feel awkward for us. We haven't stretched these muscles in a long time. Maybe for some of us, we've never stretched these muscles. But if there's one or two of you that really feel, Lord, I, I need prayer, I would invite you to hop up from where you're at if you're able. Um, if you're not able to hop up but you need to like move slowly, that's okay too. And just come forward to this altar and then I would just invite uh, the elders and for those that are on the prayer team and those that are feeling called in this moment to come and join in prayer, to join me in prayer. And that's, that's what I'd like us to do. Um, I don't, the worship team isn't ready to give any music, so this is going to be quiet and just wonderfully awkward. Okay? Is that okay? Is that okay? Is it okay that we're awkward? I'm an awkward guy, so just roll with me here, okay? But if that's you... If you feel like the Lord is saying, come forward, come for prayer, this is your opportunity to come before the community of your church, before your people, I invite you to do it humbly. And, that, and I and those that will gather, we will pray for you. And everyone else that chooses to stay seated, we're going to stretch our hands out and we're just going to pray for those people. We're going to pray by boldness and with faith. Who would like to come for prayer?
Come forward. Yes. It's good. It's awkward. It's okay. God loves his people. Jesus dies, died for this kind of thing to be able to take place at any moment, at any place, at any home, on any street corner, in any building, at any time. His love is available at every moment. I'm going to invite those who would like to pray for those gathered to come forward now and just lay a hand on And for those of you who, who didn't feel right to come forward, if this wasn't the right moment, I would just ask that you just open your hands out and, and just ask of the Lord, Lord, I need your help. I'm praying to a God who I, I am choosing to believe in this moment. Here's my prayers. That you would do that as well. Heavenly Father, we trust you. We trust you. We know that you are at work in our lives. We know that you are at work right now. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and lead and direct this moment of prayer. Lord, we ask right now that you, Holy Spirit, would bring through, in the name of Jesus, healing and restoration to every illness and sickness that is being brought before you. Now, Lord, we just offer this to you and we pray boldly and we pray with faith and we pray and trust that you are at work. Yes. And Lord, we hold this open and we hold this intention and we know that this world is broken and we know that we've been frustrated and yet we will choose to ask and we will choose to ask again and again. And we will trust that as sons and daughters of the king, that we can come to you every and any moment, at any place, at any time, because of who we pray to and who we pray through. And so, Lord Jesus Christ, we ask for you to bring your spirit upon each person here and every person in this congregation, whether here or at home, tuning in, that, Lord, we would stretch out our hands and that we would know that you hear and care. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise your name for the work that you are doing. And we ask that you help us continue to be this kind of people in our days and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Heavenly Father, I just pray over our entire congregation and in our entire time today. Lord, if there are those here that need to stay at the altar and to continue to pray, help them to do that. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I, I encourage us to stay in this holy space if there's need. But for the rest of us, you can continue on your day. May you go. Would you stand to receive the benediction? Heavenly Father, 
we go today praying bold prayers, knowing that we can because you, Lord, hear us and you respond and that we get to pray through the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. May we go with that boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, you are dismissed on your way out. There's actually a little prayer card that can encourage you to think about prayer in a different way this coming week. All right? God bless. Shine upon you and be gracious.